Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. About three minutes past the hour here in our nation's capital. And Elle Willingham here with you on the fan till about 3.35 here this afternoon. Before I pass the rock to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler, they'll bring you Nats baseball and clearly plenty to talk about. <laughs> With the Washington Nationals. We'll switch gears here a little bit here in the 2 o'clock hour. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. Long time no talk, my friend. How was Vegas? Uh, Vegas was great, although I came back with a souvenir called the coronavirus. I've been dealing with that the last few days, but uh, Vegas was productive and fun. Uh, just, I guess, a little too much fun. <laughs> well, look, rather, well, uh, I was about to say, would you rather have COVID or lose a bunch of money? But I guess that's a lose-lose situation. Chase, <laughs> obviously, like we mentioned, you were down there in Vegas. Topic of conversation, obviously, back here at home in our nation's capital, was the performance of Wizards' first-round pick, Johnny Davis. Tell me what you saw up close in person. What did you like? What did you not like? Well, obviously, it wasn't the greatest summer league for Johnny Davis. Uh, if it's over, you know, there is one more game for the Wizards. They play tomorrow, but he didn't play last night because of lower back tightness. And, you know, we'd kind of heard that he'd been dealing with that. And if that was to explain... Um, why he didn't play as well as everyone hoped he would, then, then that would certainly make some sense because there were a lot of standout rookies in Vegas, and I don't think Johnny Davis uh, played nearly as well as um, he would have liked to. You know, the first game, I think there was a matter of just adjusting to the speed of the game and also the fact that he hadn't played organized basketball since the NCAA tournament. Did not see him take a shot in his first seven minutes on the floor. He ended yeah. up uh, finishing that game one for 11. I saw a progress game to game though what i did like was his uh, aggression on catch and goes when he'd get the ball in the perimeter and he would just take off and get into the mid-range and finish with a floater or finish with a little turnaround jumper you can see that he's comfortable doing that um so i like that and i also like some of the uh stuff we saw from him on the defensive end i thought he took some defensive challenges and was an, an aggressive in that sense but all in all a, a mixed bag probably more like uh, Corey kispert last year than Rui Hachimura three years ago. Rui was really good in the summer league. Corey was okay, and then, of course, started his rookie year slow, but finished it strong. Chase, you hit on something there interesting here. I want you to go into a little bit more detail about it. Talk about these guys' schedule, talking about playing deep into March in the tournament. Then you got to go fly around the country to work out for different teams. Then you got to do the combine. How much of a toll do you think that takes on some of these young men's body? and how difficult it is, like like you kind of alluded to, to go out here and now play basketball again? Well, it definitely depends on the player. I mean, the top picks, they get to kind of pick their schedule uh, when it comes to pre-draft workouts. But it's always amazing every year you talk to these guys who are just trying to make it in the NBA, 
and how they crisscross the country and work out every single day. And they end up working out for like 20 teams and flying from like Sacramento to DC uh, to Phoenix. Uh, it's incredible the travel that they have to go through. Johnny Davis's pre-draft workout schedule, what stood out about it, what may have affected his play in summer league is that his agency made it so he didn't go up against other players. All his workouts were individual workouts. So basically in March, he played his last college game. Then he did individual workouts, so he didn't compete against other players. And then he got to summer league and had to kind of adjust on the fly. And also I would point out, just there's so much structure that he played in at Wisconsin to go from that to summer league was definitely a big adjustment. So I think that that first game explained some of the struggles after that. Um, certainly you would have liked to see more, but maybe the back tightness uh, was partially to blame. I know a big thing that I was thinking about while watching these summer league games, Chase was just how Johnny Davis projects in the regular season and where he could potentially find minutes at, in this rotation, obviously Washington has made a plethora of moves to help upgrade the depth on this roster, the Will Barton trade, signing DeLone Wright. When things get going in October, ultimately, where do you see Johnny Davis fitting in, and do you think he's going to be able to crack this rotation in his rookie season? Well, Tommy Shepard has indicated that they think he can, and I think the spot for him would be behind Bradley Beal as the second shooting guard. But uh, not to make too much of Summer League, but after seeing that, my expectation coming away from it is that his rookie year will probably go kind of like Corey Kispert's, where to start out the year, um, the minutes might not be there in a deep rotation with some depth at his position. But maybe after that, he can play his way into the rotation. We saw Corey Kispert have a really strong finish to the year. You know, he was, he was much better in the second half than he was in the first half. So maybe Johnny Davis can can do the same. Um, I think if he is to find minutes early on, it's going to be because of his defense. His shot making uh, certainly stood out in college, but you know he shot thirty percent from three last year. And you're talking about a team that's trying to build lineups to improve from last year when the Wizards were thirtieth in the NBA in three point shooting. So if you can't shoot from three. It's going to be tough for Wes Huntsville Jr. to put him out there in lineups with guys like Daniel Gafford and. Um, you know, uh, Denny Avdia, for instance, those guys shoot low percentages from three. Yeah, exactly. You kind of need to balance the lineups out, but they need help stopping the the dribble penetration on the perimeter. And if Johnny Davis can do that, then he'll find a place in the rotation. No question. Yeah. Chase, I, I, I push back a little bit on it there. And I wanted to ask you this as well. If there is any question, whether or not this young man is going to be able to crack this rotation, I now ask you to put yourself in, in the shoes of Wizards general manager Tommy Shepard here. In a season in where this, this team expects to compete and get back into the postseason, how much sense does it make to take a guy at number 10 who, who the way it looks like to me right now on paper, and obviously you, you know the game a lot better than I do, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to help you right away. And there were other guys that were selected after him, specifically guys like Tariq Eason and Jalen Williams. You know the list of guys that could have potentially maybe come in here and help right away. Why go with a guy who, in my opinion, has a longer-term outlook? Well, I, I think in a sense, like... Sorry, you got me there, Leno? Yep, I got you, I got you. Um, well, I think in a sense, in theory, um, you know, you're picking a guy who played two years in college, who is uh, well-coached, has a high basketball IQ. In theory, should be able to help you right away. I'm just talking about the, the makeup of the Wizards roster in terms of three-point shooting. Um, I thought this was more of a pick where it's a guy, okay, you know, it's a high floor. He could probably help you sooner than later rather than the long-term lottery ticket, you know, based on someone's athleticism or their athletic ceiling. So it's, it's kind of a, um, a both sides in that sense. Um, but I, I think the shooting is one thing that they're just going to have to keep in mind when they build lineups involving him. But certainly there's been some guys that were picked after him that were impressive in Summer League. But, you know, Summer League, um, you know, it, ultimately it is what it is. It's not necessarily going to correlate to the, the next level. Um, and also I would say that regardless of whether you think Johnny Davis can help the Wizards in the short term, and I think by the end of his rookie season he'll, he'll be able to, I think you've got to go best player available in a general sense when you're picking, especially in the lottery. Yeah. Uh, and I think they were smart to pick if if they feel like he was the best player, even though Bradley Beal plays the same position, you got to take a guy like that because Bradley Beal's going into his age 29 season. 
you know, four or five years from now when his contract is winding down, maybe Johnny Davis is entering his prime. And you look back at some recent drafts and, well, if the Wizards had taken a point guard even when they had John Wall or if they had taken a shooting guard even when they had Bradley Beal, then maybe right now they'd have Tyrese Halliburton and Tyler Hero. You know, you kind of project. These guys are so young, you really need to project what they're going to be three, four, five years from now. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Chase Hughes, NBC Sports, Washington Wizards insider. And Chase, I was itching to have you on here because I I wanted to get your reaction to this clip we're about to play here. Listen to Zach Lowe on the Zach Lowe podcast talking about the future of the Washington Wizards. I just don't know where they're going from here. Um, they, They could open up cap space in a couple of summers, but doing so involves no Rui Hachimura, no Kyle Kuzma, maybe KP, Kristaps Porzingis opting out. They have Brad Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, some interesting young players. They just traded for Monty Morris and Will Barton. I would say their starting five next year is Monty Morris, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma. I'll guess Denny Avdia and then Porzingis with a bench unit of DeLon Wright, Corey Kispert, Rui Hachimura, Will Barton, and Daniel Gafford. And they're capped out going forward. They owe a first-round pick. They owe Bradley Beal a gazillion dollars on a no-trade clause. I just don't know like what they're supposed to do now. Where is this team going? What is the future? The future here is like they're almost like the Knicks in that they have all these young players that nobody quite knows what to make of. And their only move, if they keep Beal, is to somehow compile some of those players and whatever picks they can trade into, ironically, a Damian Lillard or somebody who helps their team, a superstar X. I just don't know if they can win the bidding for that player, even against the Knicks, who have way more draft equity. And Chase, you know it's never good to be compared to the New York Knicks when it comes <laughs> to NBA stuff. But no, seriously, give me your reaction. Uh, somebody who covers this team on a day-to-day basis, give me your reaction of the national perspective right now on the Washington Wizards and some of what Zach had to say. Well, look, I think he makes some fair points. I mean, you wonder kind of like what is the path to contention from where the Wizards are and. I've thought for a while that making a big trade for Superstar X, like he said, would be the viable route. But um, it's really interesting. I'm still kind of processing what the Timberwolves gave up for Rudy Gobert. Just All of those first-round picks. What's that? I said they just ruined the market, Chase. Everybody, I know everyone's up in arms about it. I know. I feel like who's going to trade? Who's going to be able to put together trades like that moving forward? Yeah. And, and I can kind of see why the Timberwolves did it because – They've already got two stars, and they're trying to win a championship, and I appreciate them being aggressive. But, like, how can the Wizards compete with that, for instance, until this, at least until this pick that they've got tied up in the John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade conveys? And it could convey next year if they make the playoffs. It's top 14 protected in 2023. Um, But if a trade for a star like that isn't a viable route, we'll see how this Gobert deal affects the rest of the market. We all know how free agency has treated them over the years, so it, it kind of goes back, it goes back to the draft. Like you got to hit a home run in the draft at some point. Maybe it's Johnny Davis. I don't know. Maybe one of the guys they already picked can make a big leap. I think Denny Abdia and Rui Hachimura in particular are two guys to watch going into next year because Denny Abdia has got his first full healthy NBA offseason, and Rui Hachimura looks like he's going to be playing for a contract. Um, we all saw how Otto Porter, you know, leveled up in the final year of his rookie deal. Yeah. Maybe that happens with Rui Hachimura to a, maybe even a greater extent. But you're going to have to hit a home run in the draft probably or somehow swing a major trade because I, I don't want to rule out free agency entirely, but it, it's the most unpredictable of the three options, the only three options that you have. And we all know that they've had trouble uh, attracting stars to come here in the past. Chase, peel back the curtain here a little bit. I know there's been a lot of uh, turnover in the Wizards' front office, and, and I'm asking you because I know you're much closer to the situation than I am. Has has the same people been selecting these Wizards draft picks over the years here, or, or, or is there fresh blood here in the scouting department? Like, Because it seems as if this team has struggled to draft over the last decade, pretty much, outside of John Wall and Bradley Beal. Um, I think it's a, a bit of a mix. I mean, Tommy Shepard, their GM and president, has been there for a long time. Um, Frank Ross, their director of college personnel, has been there for quite a while at this point, not as long as Tommy Shepard, but you know, he heads up a lot of the college scouting. Um, a lot of their scouts have been there for a while, but they have added some people. 
in recent years, including Johnny Rogers of the LA Clippers. And generally, they've just they've grown exponentially in terms of just the amount of people. Right. Um, Brett Greenberg is another guy who's been there for quite a while. He's their assistant GM, uh, heads up their analytics and, and, and salary cap. But they've built out an analytics department um, that right now is being run by Kathy Evans. It was uh, run by Sashi Brown. And yes, they have a yes. lot of people, a lot of people working in analytics now. It might be one of the biggest analytics operations in the league. And it's people who are, have like computer software and data science uh, backgrounds. And they, they build these models and they have all these um, data systems to try to, uh, you know, find the next great player in college and around the league. And I think it's going to probably take a few years for that to really translate. Um, But it has been a few years and you're wondering kind of when will the analytics start showing up? One thing that kind of always stood out to me, at least the last few years is that they want to be, uh, you know, at the forefront of analytics, yet they have so much trouble making threes. It just, there's been kind of a conflict there. So I'm wondering when that's going to kind of balance out. Yeah. I mean, you made an astute point. I know you were being serious when you said it, but it got a laugh out of me because that damn good point for, for, for a team that's invested <laughs> so much in that part. They still can't shoot the damn ball. Well, hopefully, Chase, we can get some more basketball people in the front office there at Monumental. I appreciate you hopping on with me and get better, my friend. Absolutely, man. Will do. Thanks a lot. Chase Hughes hopping on with me. We always get smarter every time we get to hook up with my man, Chase Hughes. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. And a lot to unpack there from Chase. He was very good with us. We'll do so on the other side of this break. We'll also get into some more of Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks' comments about the Wizards' recent draft picks. You'll definitely want to stick around to hear what they had to say about that. Don't go anywhere. You'll listen to the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I may not ever get another chance to say this, so I just want to get this off my chest. It's Linnell Willingham on 106.7 The Fan. <laughs> Welcome back. What up, Willingham? Here with you on the fan for about another hour left here in the program before we pass the rock to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They'll have Nats and Braves ready for you. Coming up in the 3 o'clock hour, 4.05 first pitch from Nats Park. And obviously, my colleagues, Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler, will have plenty, plenty to discuss As the breaking news of the show, Juan Soto turning down a 15-year, $440 million deal from the Washington Nationals. Uh, We'll continue to digest that as the show rolls on. I'll continue to give details on that situation as they become available 
to us. But in the 2 o'clock hour, we switched gears a little bit, went to our Washington Wizards. want to give a big thanks to Chase Hughes, Wizards insider for NBC Sports Washington, hopping on with me. He was at Summer League, and it was interesting, and I've been waiting you know, to get Chase's thoughts and analysis on Johnny Davis because he was down there, boots on the ground, at the Thomas and Mack Center, watching this young man up close in person. And to the surprise of myself, I'm a little bit surprised by it, Chase Hughes not as down on Johnny Davis as a lot of other people here in our market have been. And Chase always, I love having him on, is going to come with a measured approach, not going to get too high, not going to get too low on a guy, and I think that's the right way to do it. Um, But it was interesting some of the things that Chase pointed out. He mentioned the injury that Johnny Davis supposedly suffered. I didn't want to cut Chase off when he was saying, I don't buy that he's hurt. I, I don't think that bodes well for this young man's mental toughness. I don't think it represents that well. Things are getting difficult for you, and now your back's too tight to play in a summer league game. You're freaking 23 years old. You're 22 years old. Nothing should be hurting you that bad in your back that you can't play in a summer league game. And I don't know what the exact details are of the situation because at first people were reporting the back. Some people were reporting a shoulder. We don't know. Obviously, we know he did not suit up the other night because of injury. I, I think it's garbage. I really do. I think it's garbage, but it's here nor there. I think it all goes to the overall grand scheme of things. Washington, like I mentioned with Chase, has struggled to draft here in the 2000s. Let's just call it what it is. They probably had, since I've been born, or since I've been really following the team, and that's about since like 2007, John Wall and Bradley Beal, the only real good picks this team has had. If I want to go three, I'll give them Kelly Oubre. I thought Kelly Oubre was a nice pick for them. And now, in hindsight, another guy that they let walk out of the door. They basically chose Otto Porter in favor of Kelly Oubre, which will, in my opinion, go down as one of the dumbest decisions this franchise has ever made. But it's here nor there. It it just all goes back. And I asked Chase about this. Who are the people making the picks in Washington's front office? Has there been a change? Has there been an organizational change? Are there new people in the building? Because what we've seen thus far from them drafting, it's been more of the same. And it frustrated me to no end, to no end, to see this team celebrate certain things. Wizards Twitter the other day tweeted out that, I got to find the tweet here, give me a second. They tweeted out that they have been recognized with the NBA's International Strategy Award for the 2021-22 season. No offense to international strategy. I don't give a damn about international strategy. The lines clearly are blurred here within the Washington Wizards organization. I want to be careful with how I say this so I don't offend anybody. It seems as if this team sometimes is more interested in the financial monetary gains of a selection than they are the on-court impact that a guy could have, i.e. Denny Avdia. This team drafted Denny Avdia at 19 years old with the ninth overall pick in the draft. And since that has happened, the Israeli market for the Washington Wizards has grown significantly. While on the floor, Denny Avdia hasn't really done much. My other example, Rui Hachimura. Wizards now have a Wizards Japan Twitter. A Wizards Japan Twitter. They are now even playing a preseason game over in Japan as a result of that pick. It seems as if they're more interested in the marketing side of it and how we can capitalize and make some coins than they are winning basketball games and choosing the best player available. I can't say anything about this year's pick. But then again, I guess I can because he stinks. And that's just my straight-up opinion. Call it what you want. Call it what you want. And nationally, nationally, people aren't saying a lot of nice things about the Washington Wizards and the way that they've drafted 
in recent years. And how could they? How could they? I read you off some of the names of the first-round picks Washington has bluffed on. Denny Avdia right now, in my opinion, I know this is going into his third year, to be the number nine overall pick and to have as little impact in production as he has had, I'd say he's closer to being a bust than he is a good pick. Rui Hachimura, I think he's closer to being a bust than he is a good pick. Troy Brown Jr., bust. The list goes on. We've seen it. They don't even capitalize on their second-round picks. How ridiculous is this? Finally, Washington doesn't sell off its second-round pick, right? They don't trade it for cash considerations for once. And the damn kid doesn't even play in Summer League? And he's out there in Vegas, in the flesh, taking pictures for Wizards Twitter? I don't want to see pictures. I want to see guys play basketball. Why the hell did you draft somebody with their second-round pick, fly them all the way out to Vegas, and he doesn't play a lick? Doesn't play one damn second. What's the point? I'm so frustrated with this. It's the same reason I'm frustrated about Denny and Corey not playing. But I'm more frustrated about this because what the heck are we doing with these second-round picks that we've acquired? Do I got to pull up that list too? I'm trying to pull back all the curtains here. I want info. I want facts, answers on everything that has to do with this team. Because it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Guys like Isaiah Todd. He's not even balling in Summer League, really. Vernon Carey has been the MVP of Summer League so far. Goodwin has been the MVP of Summer League so far. Shackle. I mean, guys that played for the Go-Go last year. Well, you didn't draft. So at least you couldn't mess it up because they didn't draft them. I guarantee if they would have drafted those guys, they wouldn't have panned out. Because that's just the way... Washington has gone here in the draft process. But like I said, let's read off some of these second-round picks here in, in the history for Washington. Go back to 2020. I can't even pronounce the name. He comes from Spain. His name starts with a V. <laughs> First name starts with a V. Last name starts with a K. He was drafted in 2020 with the 37th pick. That's a high second-round pick. Have we seen this guy? No. I would have rather you shipped them off for cash considerations. What are we doing with our second round picks? It's a consistent theme. 2018, Yusef Zonin. Didn't get to see him play much. 2015, Aaron White. Didn't get to see him play much. Shelvin Mack was probably the last good second round pick that we've had, that we've seen play. Tomas Sadaransky. I mean, come on. And then for this kid this year not to be playing at Summer League, and you are the second-round pick of, of an NBA team, I don't care if you're supposed to be a stash or whatever. You can get stashed after you come out in Summer League and show us that you're not a damn robot and that you can play basketball and that we shouldn't trade you for $450,000. Might not even be worth that much. But like I mentioned, the national perspective on the Washington Wizards isn't as high as a lot of you might think out there. Zach Lowe podcast, him and Bobby Marks, getting into detail a little bit about the Wizards' recent draft history. Take a listen. I think when you look at it, Zach, like there's no blue chip prospects on their roster, right? Like you look at through their draft picks, you need one of those guys to hit. Let's go yeah. through them. A- Avdia? Single-digit scoring, 42%, 32% from three. I think he has a good feel for the game. Like three assists per 36 minutes, he can attack a closeout. He's a good defensive player, a really good rebounder for a small forward, an okay one for a power forward. Solid defense player, but like 16% usage rate, probably profiles as a good role player. That's fine. Hachimura missed half of last season due to personal reasons. Did shoot 45% from three. Terrible passer, terrible rebounder, terrible defender, takes too many long twos. I think he's going to become an okay to good player. I think he's got a lot of interesting skills, including posting up smalls. 
Nobody knows what to make of him. Kispert can shoot. Nobody else knows what to make of him beyond that. Johnny Davis, they just drafted. It's hard to look at these guys and... Again, they remind me of the sort of Emmanuel Quickly Obi Toppin mystery box. Why that the do they Knicks keep have? comparing us to the New York Knicks? That's how you know you're not doing something right. That's the second time in this podcast that they've been compared to the New York Knicks. I don't want to be in that category. I'm sorry. Call it what you want. But yeah, that was Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks talking about the Wizards' recent draft picks, and it's almost like they've been listening. To overtime here on 106.7, the fan with Linnell Willingham. They're echoing all the sentiments that I've echoed to you all. They've just done a terrible job drafting. And no one's going to come out flatly and say it like that because no one's cut like that, but I am. I'm going to call a spade a spade every time. They can't draft worth a damn. And they've showed it year in and year out and year in and year out. They can't draft. And I've said it on here multiple times. That's the difference between us and a team that is a perennial contender. That's it. That's the difference right there. If you can't draft and you're going to give max contracts out, you're going to be stuck in purgatory forever. And I've got a lot of life to live. I'm only 24 years old. But, damn it, I want this team to be a contender before my hair starts turning gray. And the track that they're on right now, not on schedule. We're right on schedule here in this program. Joining me on the other side of this break, Travis Thomas from the New England Sports Network going to join me for If I Was a Better gambling segment here on The Fan with the boy Linnell Willingham. I'll tell you how you can win some quick cash this weekend. Don't go anywhere. You listen to The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. If I was a better. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Welcome back. You know who it is. Youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham here with you on the fan until 3.35 this afternoon before I hand the ball off to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They'll get you ready for game three of Nats and Braves. Nats struggling, just one win so far uh, in the month of July, trying to avoid being swept for the third straight series. Juan Soto really heating up here in July as well, just not translating into wins for the team. Speaking of the Nats, at the top of the hour, 3 o'clock, I'll be joined by NBC Sports Washington Nats insider Matt Wyrick. He'll give us the latest, including the diagnosis on Nats reliever Tanner Rainey. We'll also ask who the Nats could be looking to deal here as the trade line quickly approaching us. Plenty to discuss uh, with my man, Maddie Ice. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. It's a man who needs no introduction. You can catch him weekdays at 5.30 on the Ultimate Betting Show on the New England Sports Network. You can also catch him weekdays at 1 o'clock on NESNBets.com for the lunch line. Follow him on Twitter at Travis Thomas EXP. Welcome home to the program, Travis Thomas. What's going on, my brother? Man, it's good to be here. Anytime I have a chance to get on with you, brother, you know I'm always there. You just throw up the bat signal, and I'm showing up every time. All right, coming through per usual. So, Travis, let's reintroduce you here uh, to our audience and tell us a little bit how you got into the gambling game. 
Oh my gosh. I hope you have time for this. So <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a long story as short as possible. Um, so my, one of my really good friends in college was addicted to online poker. And at the time, you know, the world series of poker was going on. It was like a big thing. And so he would play online and then eventually, you know, I went to college in Baltimore. So eventually he was like, Hey man, Atlantic city is not far from here. Uh -oh. We should start going at least once a month. Right. And I said, yeah, no problem. He just wanted somebody to roll with him. I hate, this will shock you now, but I hate table games. Like I don't play cards. I don't like craps. I don't, I don't really gamble in that way at all. I never have. It's just like the, it's the lucky stuff. It's just, it's just boring. I get it. It's <laughs> cool, but I don't, it's, I, it doesn't do it for me. I don't get a rush from it. Right. But he just wanted me to roll with him. So I went and obviously he was really good at poker. So we ended up going like more than once a month. We would probably go every other weekend and he would sit there and gamble all night. And I just couldn't do it. So I would sit at the bar and drink. No shock, I'm sure, to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but here's what happened. So as I'm sitting there at the bar, I'm not trying to be funny. I swear to you, it was like stereotypical guys out of a mob movie, out of like the Sopranos or something, <laughs> where these guys would come in late at night. They would sit at the bar. They would drink. And there would be a game, obviously, on the TVs. And they would make fun of people and they would just be like, Oh, I can't believe Jimmy put five grand, you know, on the bulls tonight, or I can't believe so-and-so right? yeah, put money on the jets tonight or whatever. And I would just listen. I would just kind of eavesdrop. And eventually they got used to seeing me all the time, asked my name, started chatting them up. And then eventually I started kind of like picking up the lingo and I would say, Hey man, what's a parlay? What's a straight bet? What's money line mean? What's a spread? What's, and I know sports always have. It's all I know, quite frankly. So what started happening is these guys started teaching me sports betting and Linnell, these were bookies. So oh, I didn't, so I didn't learn, right. I didn't learn from like a traditional, you know, most of your sports bettors are casual gamblers, you know, they they might Google these terms or something. And <laughs> right. then, and then as you know, um, people bet with their heart, right? They want to bet on their team. I didn't learn that way. I learned from actual bookies. So they were teaching me never bet with your heart. They were teaching me, this is what a unit is. You want to be smart with your bankroll. You want to do this. You want to do that. Parlays are for suckers, all kinds of stuff that, you know, I didn't realize at the time would shape my career later in life, right? I always wanted yeah. to be a sports broadcaster, but I never really saw this happening where I'm at now. And that's how I learned. And by the way, early in my career, when I, you know, started getting my opportunities on air, uh, I, I, it, you would think I was like selling drugs. If I talked <laughs> about, honestly, if I talked about sports betting early in my career, I would have got fired and arrested or something. Like it was like, it was so just be bro. It was like the worst thing. You better not bring that up. Right. And now look at me. I do it for a living. Times have changed. Right. <laughs> and lucky for you, man, you got to get the gospel early on because you know, back from your days here in studio with us, I would always come to you. What are the plays? What are the plays? And I'd always yeah. come with my heart. And you always told me that's not the way to bet, young fella. Yeah, so clearly man. reason why you said that. Yeah, no doubt. I, I just learned a lot of little nuanced things back then. As I said, back then, I, I realized I was learning how to sports bet. But right. it was just for my own, you know, I started placing bets with them. And then when I would see them the next weekend, I'd always get paid because they wouldn't even let me make sucker bets. They wanted to watch out for me and they knew I'd blow the money on buying them drinks anyway. Right. So, you know, that's how I learned. And now, you know, later in life, a lot of those principles and teachings that they taught me, really a lot of it was like discipline plays. It was more bankroll. The most I really, the most I took from it was like bankroll management, you know, right. never put all your money on this. They taught me what chasing means, which is real quick. You know, if you're having a bad weekend, let's say you make four bets that weekend um 
you know, their teachings was, hey, put the same amount on each four games. If you go 0 for 4, you go 0 for 4, bet the next weekend. Uh, Chasing means, man, you're down 0-2, 0-3. So for that fourth game, you're going to put all the money in the pot on it, hoping to recoup. Uh, you know, that's how broke, people get talk about going broken. Right. <laughs> exactly. And these were guys again. Now, granted, here we are in the legal world, but now, but crazy. back then, it, right. But back then, I mean, these were guys that were doing the dirty work, literally. Right? right. So, you know, for them to have longevity in that game, I think tells you something. So I learned a lot. Yeah. Everybody needs an OG, no matter what you're into. You know what I'm saying? So obviously glad you were able to get that because now you get to hop on here with us and you be our OG for our show, man. So obviously, Trav, you know a thing or two about sports gambling. As we sit here in July, what is it, July 15th? If I'm just if I'm just a casual sports better, what's the perfect thing to be putting my money on right now if I'm looking for a safe play with some potentially big rewards? Well, I mean, listen, to me, I, I don't like terms like safe plays uh. and locks and all that because it is gambling at the end of the day. Right. I'm I'm, as you know, up here in Boston at Nesson, uh, we're the Red Sox network. So I am knee deep in baseball. And usually, you know, when you say that, people kind of make a, ah, baseball's boring, or I don't want to bet on baseball. Listen, um, you can make a ton in baseball. And I'll, I'll tell you why. There's so much inventory, right? There's so many games. There's games every night, multiple games at that. And sports books, for the most part, you know, they're on things that people bet. So they're on uh, the side, they're on the totals. But what I've learned since being here in Boston, and I did it, I would dabble in it in my past, but now that I'm here and I'm betting on baseball so much and I'm talking about baseball so much, I would really tell your audience, look into props, look into pitching props, strikeout props, hitting props. Uh, You can bet on pitchers to register a win. Uh, That's a really good one. Uh, You know, I mean, there's a ton of baseball prop bets you can make, and the books haven't really adjusted to it because people don't bet them that much. So you have a much higher success rate. And, you know, the name of the game in sports betting is to, duh, win. You bet to win the game, right? So, you know, you you, want to bet props. Uh, in baseball, I would say. And then, obviously, you can always bet, you know, during the offseason, you can still bet football, win totals, uh, awards, things like that. So that's wh- really where I would tell people to put their attention. Perfect segue there, Travis. Almost like you knew what the hell I was asking you next. So, look, the 33rd <laughs> team, Mike Tannenbaum and company, former uh, Jets GM, they've got a little newsletter over there that, that they do online. They gave their dark horse MVP odds for the 2022 NFL season. And Skins fans, excuse me, Commanders fans. Let me correct myself. Commanders fans here. <laughs> they listed Carson Wentz, the new QB1 here in Washington, plus 10,000 odds to win MVP. And we'll talk about that a little later in the show. From your knowledge, you know, would that be considered, you know, a sneaky good play? And who was your dark horse NFL MVP that you think is worth throwing some cash on? I mean, listen, I, I wouldn't bet uh, Carson Wentz <laughs> to win MVP with your money and your paper is long and ah! I still wouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> don't, you know, don't believe that, man. <laughs> I, I think it would probably be a little more advantageous to bet Carson Wentz in other ways. You could look at uh, his season props, yardage, touchdowns, uh, maybe even interceptions, you know, and bet over or under that way, depending on, you know, which way you think. If you think he's going to stink, you could bet the under. If you think he's going to be awesome, you could bet that. I personally uh, would go nowhere near Carson Wentz for MVP, <laughs> but I would cons- I would consider Carson Wentz a comeback player of the year. Uh, that feels like a spot that would make a lot of sense. You know, not only is this a guy who has dealt with injury issues in his career, he stayed healthy last season, but for the most part, but you know, he still didn't seem to be well liked. Uh, yeah. certainly within management and ownership of that, of that Colts team. So to me, I think on the field and even image-wise, dare I say, um, you know, he could use a makeover. So if 100%. he plays well and the commanders win, then boom, you have a comeback player of the year. Uh, as far as MVP, to be honest with you, Linnell, I mean, you know, I'm boring. I, I think I could see a world where Josh Allen wins it. 
I could see a world where, of course, I could see a world where Tom Brady wins it, especially being a swan song. Uh, I'm pretty high on the AFC West. So I'm looking at guys personally like Justin Herbert uh, at 11 to 1. Maybe Jesus, I like to call him. Absolutely. (laughs) Feels like a decent value play. Even going down the list a little, you know, Russell Wilson's a little too new in Denver, but he is 15 to 1. I like that. Derek Carr maybe is a dark horse, 33 to 1. I'm looking at that division because it's just so brutal that whoever is, I guess, left standing, right, at this point. Um, has a really good shot. You know, uh, I would be betting on health here, but I think Lamar Jackson's going to be on a revenge Ooh. tour. He's 22 to 1. Yeah. You know, my concern with him is obviously losing Hollywood Brown is, doesn't help, um, but he did bulk up. So if he's healthy, I mean, he's going to look like a cheat code this season, right? Exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, guys like that, you notice I didn't name any non quarterbacks because I just don't believe it's going to happen. I think a quarterback's yeah. going to win it because they always do. It's tough, and that's always the safe way to go. Joining me right now on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today is Travis Thomas. You can catch him weekdays at 530 on the Ultimate Betting Show on the New England Sports Network. And Travis, let's switch it to the diamond here. Home run derby coming up. What are some of your favorite plays from that? Oh, Juan Soto. I mean, we don't yeah. have, we don't even need to. Uh, we can just I end the interview. To God. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, Juanito going crazy right now. He's heating up here at the month of July. Yeah, I mean, of course, listen, you got to look at the top. Pete Alonzo's going for a three-peat. Uh, Kyle Schwarber's just on a whole other planet right hey, he's now. He's ripped us apart, Travis, when they've come here. It's of course, of course, of course. And I remember, he was a national for about five minutes, and he did the same thing <laughs> here. He's hitting, yeah. you know, I, I, he was hitting home runs all over the place. So, um, but I, I'm still going Juan Soto. Quick story on him in last year's home run derby. So I had a ticket on him to win it. I didn't cash that ticket, but... I was live betting. It was one of one of the first times I've even started live. I've only been like live betting like a year now because uh, I'm old school like that. But Explain the difference between of, live betting and, the, and then the other one, what, what you're talking about real quick. Well, I mean, it, it's in the definition. Live betting is once the contest gets underway, okay. you, you start putting wagers on the action in live time and the odds update as the game is going on. But okay. right before the derby started, um, I was sitting with a buddy of mine who, you know, my gambling partner, Slim. And, uh, <laughs> you got to get him where he's and, too. And there were odds. I th- I, in fact, I'll give Slim credit. I'm pretty sure he, he called my attention to it. But he said, hey, if you look right now, um, Juan Soto was going against Shohei Otani in the first round. And, bro, the odds on Otani were so heavy. He was a heavy favorite. I don't yeah. remember him off the top of my head now. But I saw Juan Soto's name with a bunch of plus money next to it. Mm. And I fired off a bet. So I had him in that first round, and he got me that. It was a huge upset. He beat Otani head-to-head. And then he basically just kind of ran out of steam. But I remember that night thinking, I'm going to bet Soto next year because I think he's going to learn how to pace himself in these things. So – you know, I'm going Soto here because of what I saw last year, if that makes sense, even though yeah, Soto did. it makes perfect the whole sense. Thing. And it really yeah. was was the catalyst for him, you know, turning around in the second half of yep. last season. Hopefully, uh, Nats fans, you know, definitely could use a turnaround from Juan Soto. He struggled to start the year. But like we mentioned, he's heated up uh, here in the month of July. Travis, I'll let you go on this. Go little commanders here. Bring it back home for a second. Their win total in most sports books right now is set at about eight and a half. Which way are you leaning on that and why? I mean, I'm not playing it. It's just too close. (laughs) Honestly, I I think to me, you know, they feel like, and I said last year, I thought they'd be nine and eight at best, eight and nine at worst. And I was close, right? And by the way, COVID, remember, uh, happened at the worst time on that team. They had some key injuries, and they didn't finish strong. So, you know, to me, I think Wentz is an upgrade uh, over Heineke. I I don't even know why people would argue that at this point. Um, So I'll give them – and then I don't believe there's going to be some COVID outbreak. So I'll give them – you know, I think it's going to be 8 and 9, 9 and 8 again right there. I just – you know, I'm not willing to really play that. I'm going to bet Washington more so week to week, uh, particularly when they're underdogs. 
you know, I, I'll probably sprinkle something on the money line for them for some so upsets. Cl- clearly, you're not feeling them too much is what it sounds like. Jeez. No, I, it's not. Even with it's, the more new quarterback. Num- it's more the number. I just don't. I don't. I think it's eight and a half. I mean, listen, Vegas has all these big casinos for a reason, bro. Yeah, they, know, they don't miss. They know something. They don't miss. And this feels to me like an eight and nine, uh, nine and eight football team. Now, in the NFC. If you can get nine and eight, that may be good enough for a playoff spot. So it's not like I don't believe in them. I just think it's going to be too close to that number for me to play the win total. I'd rather bet them in other ways. Yeah. Well, look, more plays, more money, plenty of money to make uh, this football (laughs) season. We got the home run derby coming up. You gave us your play on that. Look, for the fans out there with the eight and a half, don't listen to Trav on that. We got Carson Wentz. Look, Trav, you know I'm pulling the Wentz wagon. You know, by, by the front of it, I'm leading this thing once again. I dig Wentz, man. I, I Like I said, I think he's an upgrade over Heineke. My concern about him is durability. Yeah. And, if, look, if Heineke has to come in a couple of games, Don't we know that. he can handle it. Yeah. If, if, if it's a couple of games. But, Linnell, if we see, let's say Wentz gets hurt, hurt which is not beyond the realm of We've possibility. Seen it. Yeah. We've seen it. Right. Then I'd, I'm not betting on Heineke, bro. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Well, they say, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. That's right. You're just an idiot. (laughs) All right, Trav, I appreciate you giving me some time, big homie. No doubt, man. Anytime. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.